ये इंटरनेशनल गेम है सुनील दिमाग से खेला जाता है गुस्से से नहीं Hello everybody and welcome to episode 104 of Hoop Darshan. Hoop Darshan. Episode number 104 Karan which means we should be talking about the year of 2004 which obviously as you know the the playoffs didn't happen that year right? The, what are you talking about Koshik? Uh one of the greatest upsets ever uh what? happened what? happened in 2004 yeah somebody's that Lakers did... got the asses whooped in the final. Uh <laughs> that did not happen. <laughs> That's what we have with us. we have with us to further um, screw, screw in tighten the screw over you koshik uh, possibly the the guest mvp of in hoop darshan history the guy who's been here more often than ever the great akshay manwani akshay how are you doing a uh, great uh, karan uh, just managing to stay home stay safe amidst this terrible pandemic but uh, it's it's a pleasure chatting with you and koshik uh, always i look forward to it i i don't even think twice when you guys invite me i just like i'm doing this because it's such a great uh, opportunity to talk hoops with guys who know <laughs> the game and we obviously you know now that the season is over we want to talk about the playoffs you are the guy we want to talk to about it but before we get to the playoffs uh, as per tradition we want to talk about 2004 as as this is episode 104 right so what are your memories of that years and be a season the finals the champions so actually you don't well, remember that this happened as well right <laughs> no i do i do because you know honestly speaking uh kobe's legend actually for me has personally grown in the years after his retirement uh, uh so I, at that time I, i remember very distinctly i used that finals loss as another way to put the great kobe bryant down like you know i mean he 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 he's fighting with shaq and then even with shaq he can't uh, play together and beat these guys who really don't have a true all star on their team you know the detroit pistons have chauncey billups ben wallace hamilton rashid wallace so so uh, i used to put it as a put down and what really i mean i was shocked when i when i saw those uh, games uh, it, it was so shocking because I think a little uh, uh, known detail that people don't remember is that forget the losses, the Lakers didn't even uh, you know they they struggled to put points on the board and this is I'm talking about Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant arguably amongst the you know top two or three duos of all time in history. I think the Lakers just uh, went 90 plus points in one game uh, in that series. Uh, they had a lowest score of I think. some 65 67 points in one game you know so so it was a disaster on many fronts and uh, it just goes to show you know that detroit the pistons win is a great example that uh, you know if you if you play the game the right way you have the right team chemistry uh, anything's possible yeah i, I think a, a lot of the legacy of that year has been um, less about what the pistons achieved and more about what the lakers failed to achieve because yeah. um, you know uh, the fact that it, wa- it wasn't just Kobe and Shaq but like we, we all doubted whether it would work but adding Gary Payton and Carmelo at least it, it had a lot of hype on paper Gary Payton is my like all time favorite player when I was growing up so so I was that was the one year I was like I, I hope the Lakers win a ring this one year uh, and actually he he was part of the problem you know uh, and it was so funny how much they actually relied on Carmelo if Malone was actually healthy 
things would have been different and and that's kind of weird to say because Malone was really old that year right um but to come back around to what you said the the Pistons played the right way one of the greatest defensive teams ever i would say and um uh, i think it's a good good way of also congratulating Ben Wallace who's just been announced as a hall of famer uh, for yes. for, the, for for this coming year so um, yeah and he he completely deserves it so Koshik, you can uh, lie to yourself about the the history that has happened, but it did happen. And uh, yeah. after all the success Look. your team has enjoyed, suffered this one loss. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm obviously making a stupid joke about it, but like, it's one of those things where um, you, you're right. Like the world world typically tends to revolve around the Lakers and and some of the other sort of big market teams. So it's always spoken of as a Lakers loss rather than a Detroit Pistons win, which is very unfair, right? And that's that's one of the best defensive teams we've seen. And when you think about it, like in the last sort of 20 odd years, you you typically go with the adage that if if a team has the best player in the series, they're likely to to win that playoff matchup, right? And then you can extend that to like the second and third best player as well. But Detroit didn't have the second best player. Detroit possibly didn't even have the third best player. Um, but then with that team, with that defensive mentality, they just rallied all around it and. nothing like that has ever happened since like can you can you imagine a team with like no sort of superstar players per se like a lot of those guys like billups and and ben wallace and stuff like that. in hindsight it makes sense but at that point no none of them were considered like superstars um yeah so it's it's very very special in the history of of the nba um, i think you're describing and, yeah. I think you're describing the 2021 champions New York Knicks, right? Because like, not <laughs> no like super duper. Randall is a star, but it's in the same way like Rashid was one, you know. Um, hey, and, and, uh, and, and, and with defense, they, they they won a title. So I think that that's exactly what we haven't even we haven't even gotten 10 minutes into the episode, and <laughs> you're already here. So let's just let's just like get it out of the way. Um, what what were your thoughts when you when you sort of I knew you saw it coming, but like when the when the final day came. and yes. that the new york knicks on the nba.com/standings page had the had the little like star mark that said qualified for the playoffs tell us how you really felt so um in i would say 3 or 4 months ago when you know when it was just like the first 20 games in the season and the knicks started relatively well i think they were 8 20 games in and a close friend of mine he he loves to bet me on everything and he, and he made a bet that like or he tried to make a bet he's like uh, you know uh, I'll bet you X and X amount if the Knicks make the playoffs. And I was like there's zero chance this, these Knicks are making the playoffs. Like I know we have started well but look at that lineup. The fact that you know it's Randall, Barrett, Alfred Payton, Noel starting like that this is not a playoff team. And I completely re- regret not taking up that bet because not only did we not make it Knicks are going to have home court advantage in the first round which is just like wild for me to uh, to even fathom right now. Uh But I don't want to dwell on that right now, Koshik. I think we will come back around to that series, the first round. Before we get too deep in that, before we get too deep into the playoffs themselves, I wanted to talk about the season that has just finished. And when I mean just, as we record this, this is the 22nd of May. The last play-in game just happened. The Warriors have missed the playoffs, and officially now the playoffs are starting in less than 24 hours. Right, guys? Yeah, closer to what six hours when Milwaukee takes on Miami Heat. <laughs> so, so before we get that started, I wanted Akshay to sort of like help us recap the season that has passed, and I think a good way to recap is the the season as a whole is to recap the people that we'll remember from the season. So, Akshay, I, I wanted you to name your uh, end of season award winners, and 
you know, where Kaushik and I disagree, we'll chime in. But I want to hear from you right now. Who is your MVP? Who's the defensive player of the year? Uh, you can start wherever you wish. I'll, I'll leave the floor to you here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, so you want me to go uh, with it at one go or do you want me to like, you know, take one category and then ask you guys for your opinion? Well, well, why don't you go one by one and uh, if, if, we, yeah. uh, if we are very vehemently uh against you in something then we shall speak our right, you know <laughs> right right so so i'll 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 first up i'll start with uh, you know the coach of the year uh, category uh, and for no other reason but because monty williams has been named by the nbca uh, uh, as the coach of the year uh, so you know that's a good starting point uh, to discuss the coach the three coach of the year candidates which are basically quinn snyder uh, who's led the Jazz to the pole position in the Western Conference. Monty Williams uh, is in uh, right behind him with the Phoenix Suns. And then on the Eastern Conference side, you have Tom Thibodeau. I'm sure Karan Madhok is uh, supporting him. And what may come as a bit of a surprise is that, uh, for me personally, it's a very tough call uh, to make. I think all three have done a great job. But at one point, I really thought that it should be given to one of uh, Schneider or Williams. But right now, I, uh, as of this moment, I really think that the award should go to Tom Thibodeau because, you know, the, the kind of turnaround that he has uh, orchestrated for uh, the New York Knicks, I mean, they are in fourth position uh, as on date. They'll have home court advantage in the first round. But this was a team which finished with a 21-45 record uh, last season. Uh, They don't have any stars. I mean, you know, like you just said a few minutes ago, Julius Randle is not a Chris Paul or a Devin Booker on the Phoenix Suns. And he's not a Rudy Gobert or a a Donovan Mitchell on the uh, uh, Utah Jazz. Uh, So I personally think that at this moment, and I'm saying this again, I, I think it's really close in my head at least. But I'm just going to give my nod to Tom Thibodeau. They, I think they got the three nominees right. I think those are the three. Um, like you know, every year this is a tough thing because it's hard to define who you consider a good coach. You know, a lot of coaches do a good job with a good team too. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, for example, what Frank Vogel did when the Lakers were all injured, making them the best defensive team in the league. He's not winning Coach of the Year, but he did an incredible job, right? But these three have obviously been head and shoulders above everyone else. Uh, Akshay, you know, you mentioned the Knicks. The Knicks were. Uh, the, according to odds makers, they were supposed to be last in the East, tied with the Cavs. Yeah, that was yeah, the odd. Yeah. So, and, and they did not make any major star addition. Normally, what happens is when a team finishes this far ahead of its predicted odd odds, they you know they do a mid-season trade that completely changes everything. The Knicks is the biggest move was adding Derrick Rose, who is a really good player, who's going to be a six-man of the year candidate. But again, he's not a game changer anymore. You know, as much as I love him, so. What Thibodeau has done, not just for the team on court, but culturally in like sort of giving that franchise hope, I I, I, I think I can say without bias that he, he should be the coach of the year. Although I won't be surprised if Quinn Snyder wins it too, because again, it's not like the Jazz are on paper just dripping with talent. I think those guys are all overachieving too. All of those guys uh, between Gobert, between Mitchell, they're good players, but they have all overachieved to be number one this season. So I won't be surprised if they win it. So what does that mean, Karan? Like, are you are you saying your pick is is Tom My pick is Thibodeau, but I won't be disappointed if Snyder wins. Is what I'm saying. I think Snyder, cool. you know, yeah. 
All right. So I have to I have to warn the listeners here. So obviously, like Karan's Karan's choice comes as no surprise to anyone. Uh, but I have confirmed that he hasn't bullied Akshay into saying Tom Thibodeau should win this <laughs> award as well. Hey, this is a legitimately good next season. You you can it congratulate is, them is. once in a while. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Akshay, why um, we go so, on? Oh, sorry, Kaushik. Yeah. Now I was gonna say that I I think like it's it could be any one of these three guys and they they'd have a really good case. Right? For me, I think the the answer is probably uh, Monty Williams because I think it's a it's a journey that started. Uh, just like a pre-bubble sort of setup last season. So I think they, the Phoenix Suns and what they did in the bubble last year going 8-0 and marginally sort of missing out on that playing tournament, it gave them an identity and it gave them something to to build on to the next season. And I think that's that's a Monty Williams thing. Uh, and they've, they've built on that. And I, I my slight preference to Monty Williams ahead of the other two is only because of having that achievement in the Western Conference, which is... Which is tougher to do uh, and I'm sure you both both agree on that um, and I think it's one of those things where like typically coach of the year is given to the coach that does the most unexpected thing so it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy for for people who typically vote on this or typically have an opinion on this so I think compared to that as well um, that's my that's my sort of reasoning for why it's Monty Williams and maybe not so much Quinn Snyder because I think that the Utah Jeff like commendable achievement obviously to finish first in the in the season but uh, they're kind of expected to, whereas like the other two, other two didn't. And for me, once again, slight edge. You expected Jazz to finish first, Koshik? I expected them to finish top three in the West. Really? And okay. considering considering that the the Lakers had two two of their only players or only superstars or the level players out for more than a third of the season, and and to an extent like everybody else beneath them as well. Um, so it, it's not like completely unsurprising, but. If at the start of the season I told you Phoenix will finish second and New York will finish fourth, that's a much bigger surprise, right? Of course, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. So, uh, What's so next you're for basically, you, Akshay? Go, yeah. Uh, I mean, Koshik is basically going for Monty Williams for the journey that uh, uh, he's gone through with the Phoenix Suns, and and that's a very deserved selection. Uh, just talking about Rookie of the Year, uh, you know, the candidates or the shortlist now is uh, Lamelo Ball. Uh, Anthony Edwards from the Minnesota Timberwolves, and uh, then you have the young kid out of Sacramento, uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, I know that Lamelo, uh, you know, kind of missed uh, quite a few games. I think he missed about 20-21 games, uh, but I think he's going to be my pick. Uh, and I know Anthony Edwards had a, a close, a strong closeout to the season. He played much better in the second half of the season as compared to the first half. Uh, but I mean, despite whatever games Lamelo missed, I think you know he was really good, and I didn't expect him to be this good. I'll be very honest. So he's my pick for the Rookie of the Year. Lamelo has been uh, a very pleasant slap to my face, and what I mean by that is that, I, like you, <laughs> I also did not rate him very high. Yes. And uh, right. not only has he proven me wrong, he has made me a believer. Like he's such a just a pleasure to watch. So, such a such a great player. Um, I would like him to win it. He was the best rookie, but uh, I think I would give my award to Edwards just because he was available and he played more games. And I think I, I know it's kind of a rude sort of a cutoff point, but um, Ed, Edwards just had the stats in the games, whereas Lamelo I think will eventually be a better and a long-term a better pro because of what we saw in flashes. Yeah, I think. 
my my take on this award is like the games missed probably matters like the least for this award for me rather than anything else so from that perspective i'm just just looking at like future future promise and like how impactful you were in season 1 and i think for me like lamelo marginally edges the other two because of just the the peak that he achieved and how early he went to and like like to both of you i did not expect him um, to be this good this early like maybe maybe he would have ended up being that good uh, just like his other other brother longer who was in the team who was in the nba and took a while to see the sort of best version of him right like i, I thought they'd be those kind of struggles but they absolutely weren't he just he just like felt like he belonged from day one uh, he's a very sort of flashy player and that always helps for these kind of awards but at the same time i think i want to say like huge shout out to anthony edwards as well like he there were a lot of skeptics on about him and about, about things that he said in the in the early part of the season saying that he wasn't necessarily in love with sport or anything like that so um yeah i, I was probably sort of seeing myself defending that at that point saying that like which 19 year old like really knows what what he loves and doesn't love and i'm completely fine with like the players taking it as a job and not necessarily their life right so from that perspective like he was he was playing an uphill battle and what he showed in the last couple of months i think for the first time um, minnesota has something sort of to look forward to i think in 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 such a long time so whether it's a combination of the ownership change coaching change all of that stuff but he really thrived in those last couple of months and i think for the first time they can sort of dream of a of a non miserable future and that that needs to be called out but yeah for me for me if it comes to the award is definitely in the love yes just want to uh, just i want to add uh, i think it was still a dumb thing for edwards to say i'm sorry <laughs> to to, to, to <laughs> i, I know no, no 19 year old knows the answers but just for the pr sake just come out and say the right thing just say that you love basketball it's not that difficult uh, yeah. and, and, on, and by the way just facts like honesty right in in these kind of interview situations you want you want people to speak their minds out so but i'm saying uh, are you really that surprised when a topic says that he doesn't love basketball and people are unhappy with that answer <laughs> i guess i mean that, you know like that's and, and and by the way he he clearly does love basketball because he's he's really good at it i think if you are i'm sure it, it it doesn't have to be his main thing but he obviously has put in his his work to be good at something so uh anyways <laughs> i i mean my my only take on it is imagine he doesn't like basketball and he's this good so imagine if he actually loved basketball how much better would he be sure yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> anyhow moving uh, to our next category uh which is again in my opinion perhaps a difficult uh a uh, pick to make is the most improved player uh, award you have again three guys who made it to the shortlist are Julius Randle from Karan Madhok's favorite team the New York Knicks there's Jeremy Grant uh who played for the Detroit Pistons this season had a good improvement uh nearly 10 points per game better uh from last season and then uh, there's Michael Porter Jr uh from the Denver Nuggets again almost a similar kind of um, improvement like Jeremy Grant from 9.3 points per game to about uh 19 points per game this season has been very integral to coach Mike Malone's uh, offense there in Denver alongside Jokic but you know what my pick is going to go with Randall and yes. even though he's not made that kind of a a uh, big jump from you know comparing his last year stats about 19 and a half points per game to 24 points per game it doesn't mirror the same kind of jump that the other two candidates have made the simple fact is that Randall was available for 71 games in the season 
um, and uh, uh, Grant, for example, is just 50, played 54 games. That's a good 17 games fewer. Uh, and I think the most underrated part, which you will not find on a stats page for uh, Randall, was his leadership. Uh, just as much as we are giving a shout out to Coach Thibodeau uh, for if he wins Coach of the Year, I think we also need to recognize Randall's influence on his team, putting in the hard work, the effort, the leadership. Those are not things you will find uh, on a stat sheet. So my pick is for Julius Randall. Yeah, the the statistical improvement isn't as drastic, but I feel that's where like sort of the nuance is lost. I think where Randall Randall's become a like he always had the stats, but he was like an empty stats guy, and he's really become a winning stats guy. You know, he's actually the Knicks play a very slow pace; they're the slowest pace in the league, actually. And so to get this, the the stats he's getting, he's become a better leader, he's become a better passer, he's become an incredible shooter. Um, and I like guys who uh, who are who, who are the best player in a winning team, and which in this case he is. Unlike, I mean, MPJ is not the best player in this team, and uh, Jeremy Grant is not in a great team. So, uh, yeah, Randall for me, of course, too. Yeah, I think I, I, I agree with the both of you. And for me, the, the categorization is simple, right? Like the most improved player, you can improve just by the definition that like a couple of people who were on your team aren't there or you have a slightly bigger role and stuff like that. And I think that's what Michael Porter Jr. is. Jeremy Grant obviously left the Nuggets last season uh, and Jamal Murray was injured for like the second half or maybe like the, the last third of the season. So I think it was easier for him to pile on those improvement numbers. Uh, as good as as good as its improvement has been, I think the other two are like genuine, genuinely different levels of improvement, right? And Jeremy Grant is made a brave decision to to give up, I suppose, uh, a, a role that he fit in and the role that he knew he would excel in in Denver and like championship aspirations as well to really challenge himself, saying that I can be the number one guy on the team, and and he did that. He was really good for the Pistons, but Julius Randle just did that and had better impact. I think he. The fact that like he led a team that's not seen the playoffs for such a long time to fourth position, and uh, some of those some of the shooting efficiency numbers for Julius Randle are insane. And he, for anyone who's seen him in the last few years, like he he does not have a game that says efficiency. So massive steps up from from anything we've seen in the past. Clearly, clearly going to be. I think he deserves a winner. Right. So well. Uh... We have a unanimous pick over there, which was not so difficult to make. Uh, I hope the next category also you guys will agree with me in a similar way. But we're talking about sixth man of the year over here. I have had a very clear favorite over here for some time. Uh, the candidates on this list are Derek Rose, uh, again from Karan's favorite team. There's Joe Ingles of the Utah Jazz and Jordan Clarkson, who for me has been the pick. I think he has been one of the... Uh, biggest reasons for the Jazz making the kind of improvement that they have made this season uh, from a personal point of view. Uh, he's giving them 18.3 points per game uh, coming off the bench. Uh, and uh, I, for me, at least, I can say that, you know, uh, he's the clear pick, clear winner over here in this category. Yeah, it really is between Clarkson and Ingles for me, the, the two teammates. I I feel Clarkson would probably win it, but I would love for that for it to go to Ingles just because I I'm kind of tired of the Sixth Man of the Year award going to just always going to the the the, the offensive guard scorer of the bench, and I think um, right. Ingles is a little bit uh, more irreplaceable in terms of what he can provide, uh, but yeah it's I think either one of those two. 
Yeah, same same for me as well. I think it's it's definitely between those two. And for me, I think I'll go with the with the only small um, caveat that Ingles feels more like a starter to the Utah Jazz and what they do rather than Clarkson does. Whereas Clarkson has a very specified sort of off the bench role. And I think the it's it's just a testament to the journey that he's had as well. He's not typically been like a high efficiency player, but he's turned himself into one, and he knows he knows his role. He's figured out his role, and he's he's excelling in it. So. My pick would have to be Clarkson. Well, I mean, just for the record, uh, uh, Jordan Clarkson is averaging about six points per game better, but Joe Ingles has been terrific after, you know, perhaps having two subpar seasons from the three-point line. Relatively speaking, he shot 45% from downtown this season, which I think is phenomenal. The Jazz have been a better three-point shooting team this season. Uh, but, I mean, after that, let's talk about, you know, Two of my favorite uh, individual award categories. Uh, uh, I'll go first to DPOY, and you have a fellow teammate of Joe Ingles and uh, 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 John Clarkson, perhaps uh, leading the way over here. Rudy Gobert uh, is one of the shortlisted candidates. There's Draymond Green from the Golden State Warriors. A big shout out for to Draymond Green for his terrific defensive uh, game against. Uh, uh, Anthony Davis and the Lakers in a game that they just narrowly lost and perhaps that was the game to win uh, which would not have you know cost them the season uh, like it happened today versus uh, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, the third candidate is uh, Ben Simmons uh, from the Philadelphia 76ers. All these three teams are actually you know top five as far as defensive rating is concerned. The Utah Jazz are third place. Draymond Green's team, Golden State Warriors is fifth place. And Ben Simmons' team, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, are in second place. Uh, having said that, like, you know, for me, I think it's going to be Rudy uh, Gobert who gets the nod. Uh, I think it's between him and Ben Simmons more than anybody else. Uh, but Ben Simmons, again, missed, you know, uh, uh, double-digit games uh, compared to Rudy Gobert, who finished with uh, uh, the season just by missing one game. So my nod is to Rudy Gobert. And I think one of the standout uh, things that we've learned to see about Rudy Gobert is that opponents are really scared getting into the paint, uh, uh, you know, when he's around the rim. So I think this is what it's going to be his third win if, uh, in this category. If he gets it, my vote will certainly go for him. It, it has to be him, I feel, too. I think he... He, he is the best player in the NBA's best team. I think I think he is the best player in that team. And, and for that Even to be I a, agree with that. Karen. Even I agree with that. And, and for that to be a defensive player, he, you know, he, 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 it's almost like we were talking about Ben Wallace earlier, right? With the Pistons. Now, yeah. I don't know if Ben Wallace was the best player in that team, but he had that kind of impact where he, where he could change games with defense alone. So, um, I, I think it has to be Gobert. Yeah, I think I, I agree with the two of you, but I think I may have like a slightly lukewarm take here in saying that I think Ben Simmons is, in my view, a better defender than than Rudy Gobert. But this is a regular season award, and it's essentially an award for who can you build the best defensive identity and system around. And I think Utah does that perfectly with with Rudy Gobert, and he's he's fundamental to how they play basketball and how they set themselves up defensively. And whereas I think like with Ben Simmons, he's, he's amazing one-on-one. He's, he's amazing with those sort of help defense and stuff like that. But the system isn't necessarily built around him, right? So from that perspective, I think I, I give like a marginal edge to um, to Rudy Gobert. But 
is very close with these three guys. The, the level of impact that they have, it's, it's, it's insane. It's a joy to watch. Great. Uh, so I think Karan and me are, are, are mostly on the same page over there. And Kaushik has a, maybe a slightly dissenting opinion. But let's move <laughs> to the category, uh, most valuable player. Uh, Joker, uh, Nikola Jokic uh, from the Denver Nuggets, Joel Embiid uh, from the Philadelphia 76ers, and as heartbreaking as it might be for Steph Curry, but you know he's the third candidate on this list. Really, guys, I mean, you know, if, if this we were talking about this, let's say two months ago, uh, I would probably make the pick for Joel, but I think right now, and, and, and Steph's been terrific. He's he's really had a great season, but I think. There's no way Joker doesn't get it this time. I mean, he has to get it. I think he he has what whatever stats Joel Embiid has 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 put in. Uh, uh, Jokic has roughly similar stats, except he's way ahead in assists. Uh, Jokic that is, and he's played a full 72 game season. The first time he's played a full season, uh, Embiid missed a ton of games, 51 games out of a possible 72. Uh, and then, you know, playing in the tougher conference, uh, uh, the Denver Nuggets are just two games shy of Philadelphia's uh, record. So for me, it's Nikola Jokic. It, it has to be, again, we are in agreement. It has to be Jokic. I feel, um, well, Embiid's case beyond the stat- statistical similarities is defense, which is something that he is miles and bounds better than, than Jokic. But Embiid missed way too many games, and Jokic played every single. And and in terms of uh, every sort of advanced stat, especially every sort of offensive advanced stat, favors Jokic. Uh, non not just against Embiid, but against pretty much everyone else in the league right now. So uh, I, I I really don't think anyone who's who's not arguing for Jokic right now is basically living in a delusion land. Curry, if you if you're eighth seed, you don't win MVP. He, that's I mean, flat so, out. So, so current, yes. current. So basically, you've just thrown a shot at LeBron James, and and you think he's living in delusion land. Yeah. There are many other ways LeBron is living in delusion land. This is not the only. <laughs> but <laughs> see, but here's the thing. I think the NBA players, right? When they judge this, they look at it the way that who's been the, like I, I mean, you could make the argument that Steph has been the best player all season. You could make the argument. But best player isn't to me the same as the MVP award. The MVP award should go to someone who's from a better team, um, and and it has to be Jokic. Yeah, I, I I'll just also add before we go to uh, Kaushik. I, I, for the record, I mean, you know, Damien Willard gave a huge shout out to Nikola Jokic and said that he's the league MVP. So Kaushik, who do you go with? Are you going with LeBron? Or are you going with Dame Lillard? <laughs> Uh, I, I am I am not delusional. I think I think it's uh, it's got to be Jokic. Um, I, it's hard for me to think of a convincing reason for somebody else. I wish I wish that Embiid didn't lose uh, as many games as he did, and I think yes. um, to to injury because then it would have been a real conversation about like what matters more is it is it like oh, efficiency stats that Jokic excels in or is it like the defensive impact that Embiid has. Um, what, how does the relative sort of standing, I mean, where their respective teams finish matter? Would have been a much much healthier sort of open conversation for debate, but it's it's clearly not. I think, uh, especially given like it, it, all the things that you've said, the one thing that probably the both of you didn't touch on is the fact that the Denver Nuggets have lost a lot of players to injury through the season, uh, and yes. most specifically Jamal Murray towards the end, right? And 
given uh, given how impactful he is to them, they still really didn't miss a beat and then sort of finished finished in third position. So, um, and that's down to that's down to Jokic's play. So it's it's a no-brainer for me as well. Um, so you know, we we are mostly on on the same page on most of these things. Um, I want to move on, Akshay. Uh, so what we wanted to do sure. was do a sort of like a, a first round preview, but I wanted to right. do a first round preview in in kind of like a creative way instead of just go like series by series. I wanted to ask you guys one big question, and sometimes there might be two questions about each series, and I just right. want to get like a feel of what of where you guys stand here. So I'm right. I'm here starting with like um, one and eight in the East. We have 76ers and Wizards. So here's my question: right. the, the Wizards bigs, uh, and actually you go first and then Koshik, right? The, the Wizards bigs mm-hmm. are Alex Len, Daniel Gafford, Robin Lopez, and then maybe Thomas Bryant. Those are the 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 the, the bigs in Washington. Now imagine if you could construct a player with the talent of all four of these guys, okay? Mm-hmm. All four of them. You put the best of them into one guy. Would this player hold Joel Embiid to 35 or 40? I think I think you're asking a fundamentally <laughs> flawed question because all four guys put together have never seen talent even if it came knocking at their door. Uh, so so I think that's a really flawed question. For me, uh, there's no way that they're going to be able to stop Embiid. Koshik, what do you cool. think? Do you think there's any chance that any of these guys all combined? It's like who's going to stop Embiid here? Uh, look, the answer to that is nobody, and yeah, I agree with Akshay that it's a fundamentally flawed question. Uh, <laughs> but to be honest, like you did say, 35 or 40, it's not like who's going to stop him being right. So from that perspective, uh, I really don't know, and neither does it matter, right? I, I'm I'm calling on, I'm bringing out the brooms here, and I'm saying this is going to be a sweep. Um, as as talented as Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal are, I think it's Philly team, the defense especially, is just too good, and they're um, I think Philly is out to prove something, and I, I think they, they'd like to make a statement by coming and sweeping the Wizards. Okay, question two. We're talking about Nets and Celtics now. Right. Will Kyrie burn Sage before home games in Boston? No, okay, no, that's not the real question. The real question is, uh, <laughs> how many Nets stars need to actually play in this series for the Nets to win? Is it one? You think you think if only one of the three plays they can win this series? Or do they need at least two? Mm, I think they definitely need, don't need three. I, I, I definitely think that the, the, those two will need to be, one of them will have to be Durant. Uh, I don't see this being, a, you know, if this is just a one-on-one matchup. Uh, Jason Tatum versus Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum versus James Harden. It will get difficult. Uh, I, I don't even trust Harden and Kyrie Irving in the postseason. Uh, I, I've seen James Harden choking far too many times. We know Kyrie hasn't done much without LeBron. Um, so, uh, you know what? A, a two, if, if two stars play for the Brooklyn Nets, that's good for them, but that second star has to be Durant. Koshik, where do you stand on this? Uh, I, I also agree that it has to be at least two, but maybe not that that set on uh, on whether it has to be Durant or not. I, I think that the seasons that Harden and Kyrie have had um, and the kind of injuries that the Boston Celtics have, I think they'd, they'd be lucky to win a game or two. Uh, and look, Tatum, Tatum's obviously like capable of exploding at that at this stage, as we saw in the playing game. Um, but I think the Nets are rolling like f- far too well. They, the three, the big three, have never 
have not played as much as they would have liked to, but they they're still they finished second and they they really tick the boxes on a lot of offensive metrics. And I don't think they'll be defensively tested enough for by this Boston Celtics team for it to matter. So I'm I'm happy with any two. I'll also say I think any two can work in this series, especially because the way Kyrie and Harden sort of played. I think the, the the light bulb went off when Harden became the point guard and Kyrie became the shooting guard, and they have really sort of figured out something there. So I think against this team, it doesn't matter which two, but I I feel they still need two for it to be comfortable. Um, Can, three, what was your was your real question not is the Earth round? <laughs> um, we we all know it's flat. Come on. Uh, question three and this is the series probably that i'm guessing is going to stress akshay out the most this is i'm guessing the series is going to be the most intriguing series we're talking about the bucks and heat three and six right i feel it's unfair to get this so early um so this is not really an x and o question or matchup question really i have a more philosophical question in this case if miami beat milwaukee again and Bucks yeah. once again go out to a lower seed a bit earlier than expected. What is the level of panic in Milwaukee? Like, wh- wh- what does what happens there? And I have a follow-up to this too. But Akshay, can you address that first? Can you put yourself in this I, situation because it's very possible. I, I yeah. Karan, I have said this from day one. Uh, I think your question is great, but I think you're asking me this one year too late <laughs> because I I pressed the panic button last year <laughs> itself. I would have sacked Mike Budenholzer last year itself. There's no way you can be the best team in the East for two years in a running, uh, uh, in a row, and having lost a round earlier, which they did last year when they lost to Miami in the conference semis as opposed to the conference finals to Toronto. Uh, And really, it was a no contest. Having said that, I I really feel that, I know there's Jimmy Butler, and nobody should bet against Jimmy Butler, even if it's the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Uh, but I think the one intangible now that has come, or, or rather tangible, that has come into the equation is that as opposed to playing in one location last season, which negated the effect of the home court, I think Milwaukee has an advantage of, of home court, which is a tangible gain clearly in the favor of the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, also, the exit of Jay Crowder from Miami. I know he was not Bam Adebayo or Jimmy Butler or even Goran Dragic, their three best players. Uh, But I think uh, uh, his exit from Miami to Phoenix is also to be taken into account. So I, you know, you can call me a sucker for punishment. I'm I'm (laughs) going to regret it. But I think uh, Milwaukee uh, has is that the right way to put it? It has a slightly better chance this year compared to last year uh, because four games are definitely going to be played on its home court if this series stretches to seven games. So, so here's my real question about this series. It's, you know, we've seen now what Giannis can do. Giannis has been a two-time MVP and you and you could have made an argument that Giannis... Would have been should have been a top three MVP choice even this year. He was really incredible yes. this year. Yes, but, he was he was great. Um, he was great. So, but but we know what he can do. We know his limitations. We know his strengths. Um, he, he finally has a pretty good point guard now to run pick pick and rolls or to start pick and rolls with and be a finisher in Drew Holiday. What does Giannis have to improve about his game specifically to be to take the leap in the playoffs 
because whenever push has come to shove, he he has been one of the reasons of underperforming. You know, he he has not been an MVP in these playoff wins. What does he specifically have to do? Well, I I think you know the one of the one of the reasons uh, uh, I I disagree with you slightly. Uh, I'll say that you know he's also facing the kind of defenses we saw in the in the series versus Toronto two years ago or against Miami last season that they're just making these walls in front of him, right? And he he can't uh, be you know kind of pummeling his way or barreling his way through these walls. It's not easy to get past. Uh, a wall which has Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Jay Crowder standing in front of you, right? Um, so your teammates, when the ball is passed to you, they need to knock down their shots. And I've seen that, you know, uh, 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 for example, when they had Eric Bledsoe, Eric Bledsoe was disappearing in those uh, in in those moments. Uh, he 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 just wasn't available. His teammates didn't uh, help him out when they had the opportunity to. Uh, we we've seen. Uh, Uh, uh you know the the uh, other guy on the Milwaukee Bucks uh, the, his Middleton. name is not coming to me. Middleton. Middleton Middleton also you know he has he's a streaky shooter he can get hot but then he can, he also gets cold right so his teammates need to knock down their shots and i think there is a, the, the the bigger issue which is why i'm saying that this you've asked me the right question but a year too late is that the coaching needs to adjust how many times do we see yanis getting the ball quickly down running from we know he runs the floor really well right so when he's in transition without the ball he gets to a place which is close to the basket low post and the ball is thrown to him that's his best chance of scoring right how many times do we see him in pick and rolls with you know with him rolling towards the basket it hardly happens and i think that's more of a coaching problem rather than you know if you have three guys in standing in front of you at the in the playoffs you're you're not going to be barreling yourself so you don't sh- settle for your outside shot uh, uh, uh you have other strengths which is playing close to the basket uh, you may not have a, the greatest fade away jumper but if your coach puts you in in good positions to score uh, we've not seen that and you know that we've not seen mike goodenholzer making those changes you know and uh, the other thing uh, which also ties into goodenholzer's coaching can we please have yanis play 40 plus minutes please <laughs> that's a request these are the playoffs this is why you kept this guy this guy is 26 27 he deserves to play uh, the other day i was reading an article where i believe lebron james in game 7 of the 2018 uh, uh conference finals versus boston cleveland versus boston played all 48 minutes of that game this is uh, lebron james would have been 34 in 2018 Giannis is 27 and we also need to see him guarding the best player if that happens to be Jimmy Butler in the dying minutes of the game again take the challenge it doesn't matter if you are the nice guy and you want to have this nice sugary relationship but that's what the greats do we've seen Kobe Bryant Michael Jordan do that right so i think the problem in Milwaukee is coaching uh, i've been a big critic of Mike Budenholzer especially after last season it's just been disappointing Uh, one last thing that i will add is if and it's not happening but i'm just putting in a qualifier that if milwaukee go on to win it all okay the uh, the path that they have you know a hypothetical path that they have they have to beat miami a team which beat them last year they have to beat brooklyn nets probably uh, in the next round which will be a, a trio of kevin durant kyrie irving and james harden they'll have to go through the best team in the east the philadelphia 76ers and they'll probably have to beat the lakers so you know what it's not happening this season and if it does <laughs> they would have really earned their championship win yeah uh, 
you're you're completely right. As you were saying those names, I was like, wow, like this is not happening. But but it would be, I I mean, Giannis made a very specific choice to stay in Milwaukee because winning a title for one title would be worth two or three titles by Kevin Durant, wherever you know, in terms of like the emotion that goes into it. Um, yes. Also, want to go back to the minutes thing. Today, Steph Curry played 47 minutes, and he is wow. 30, a 33 year old who is. Basically one yes. third of Giannis's size. Yes. So yes. so there's no excuse. The Giannis is the most athletic player I think I feel I've ever seen, and he needs to play every goddamn minute in these and, games. And and in whose hands does that that decision lie? It's not in Giannis's hands. It's in the coach's hands. I mean, Giannis can put his foot down and say, "Don't take me out of the game." Like we've seen the likes of Jimmy Butler yeah. and all, they refuse to get pulled out. So I mean, Buden Holzer cannot be with Plan A. That ye mera plan hai, aur iske alawa I'm not going to make any adjustments. The playoffs are entirely about making adjustments. That's what the great coaches do. Koshik, what would you add to this? My original question was, uh, what does Giannis need to do uh, beyond playing more minutes, as Akshay suggested, to to be like a a playoff winner? Look, I I think like Giannis needs to needs to take the game by its in in. Con- complete control right and I, I think maybe he isn't necessarily empowered to do it or hasn't necessarily done it himself but he has to but to to go back to i suppose like the previous question like your first question that you had i actually don't think there's going to be much scope for panic in milwaukee because the big panic question was will yanis resign or not that's done so it's clearly quite simple for me if they if they don't progress as much as they should budenholzer is gone if if not they get another chance or whatever so um so for me it's like it's quite obvious if they lose this round budenholzer is gone if not we'll, we'll see what happens and how they go out eventually I, i also don't see them winning going through that particular ridiculously tough path but yeah for me for me the thing is i i think budenholzer has always been a systems coach and not necessarily sort of a tactical adjustment sort of coach right? and we've seen that come to his fall every single post season that that we've seen him right from his atlanta days so um if there's anything positive to gain for the bucks fans it's the fact that he's attempted to make some changes this this season the style in which they've played is a little bit different compared to the previous i don't know quite about the the minutes and minutes distribution and everything like that i don't know if that will change because i think that's fundamentally who he is but the the fact that they've upgraded from letso to holiday and the fact that they now go more openly to primarily being driven by Holiday and Middleton and Giannis being the pick and roll roller not not the guy who's handling the ball all the time i think like they've added a few wrinkles to their game and you've seen it you've seen it come to uh, come to good when they play the next a few few weeks ago right um, there are a couple of really good high intensity matches that they won i think the fact that they were willing to look into themselves and and see that this is like we we need to be a little bit different in order to proceed i think i have some positives to take from there but until they until they really prove that in the playoffs it doesn't count for anything so so you so, mentioned uh, uh, oh, just one just just one question i had koshik uh, and maybe even karan can respond to this koshik you said that you know if they, if they lose to miami of course they'll press the panic button and that might meet the end of budenholzer but we also agreed to something during the course of the regular season that you know teams like brooklyn and philadelphia have surpassed uh milwaukee as far as the talent is concerned for sure and they're better teams now right not just in their record but we we, we think that they're better teams so let's assume that they beat miami okay uh and they lose to brooklyn which would mean a second round exit right uh don't you think that that also will lead to budenholzer getting fired 
possibly possibly and i'd i'd say it depends on the the manner of exit if it's like if it's like a seven game seven buzzer beater that they lose to uh, kevin durant buzzer beater i think maybe their reflections are not as hard as as they should be but if it's a sweep then massive changes right like there's bonus is probably gone they probably reevaluate whether chris middleton is the right second person in that in that place or not i think there's it depends on the manner in which they go out but in, if it's the first round exit like regardless of how close it is how bad it is like i think it's the, the next steps are obvious but for me i think it depends maybe how how the exit happens after that any, any step beyond that yeah I, i feel about the same um uh koshi you mentioned bodenholzer's uh, atlanta past and how that team would have a really good regular seasons and then you know fizzle out in the playoffs but the the hawks are back the hawks are back in the playoffs fifth seed and they're playing against my knicks this is the series i want to talk about next um so so before i tell the questions so the, the thing is um, you know all the stats that i've been reading you know have actually just been the last month i wanted to do something about just the you know instead of taking the whole season because this entire season has been so up and down i wanted to see momentum and all of that stuff going into the playoffs but what's funny is that the knicks have been the slowest paced team not only the last month the whole time they're number 30 they're the slowest team in the in the nba and it's actually been successful for the knicks you know um, the defense has been really good because of it the hawks are somewhere in the middle in both in pace they're somewhere in the middle when it comes to uh, offensive rating defensive rating all of that so for the knicks to really win they, i think they have to stay with their identity of slowing things down a lot and which really comes down to one question slowing trey young and in a way, and also by um, you know I guess on the side Bogdanovic down a little bit too. Do you think the Knicks are capable of that? Do you think Knicks are capable of slowing these guys down not in terms of slowing the, down their efficiency but slowing down their entire pace with which they run the floor? Uh you know what Karan I'm going to go for I mean I, I if 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 uh, just in terms of you know uh talent versus non talent at what uh, what i mean by that is you know the fact is that one team has you know uh, a, a top you know trey young is perhaps some kind of star in the making uh, superstar in the making uh, uh, so i i don't know even if he's the fifth seed whether you know uh, 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 it, it's not going to be called an upset if four beats five but i think just from a uh uh the fact that trey young is on the atlanta hawks uh if if new york beats them i would still think that this is some kind of upset you know uh so, and i think it's going to happen i think the i think the knicks are better placed to beat uh, atlanta uh, uh we've seen thibodeau uh, uh you know do great things as far as teams defense is concerned minnesota was a different uh, uh, question but i think the new york knicks have the ability to slow down uh, atlanta play them their kind of game it's going to be kind of uh, efficiency through team work uh, execute through team work it's not going to be julius randle get, uh, getting it done for them uh, i think all these guys are going to be important to them nolan's noel uh, uh, julius randle of course uh, uh, it's it's going to be execution by team effort and i think new york is going to win the series Koshik, what do you think? Do you think the Knicks' defense, as good as it is, has enough to keep the pace slow to sort of favor what they are good at? I think so. I think so. Like both both teams don't really have too much playoff experience, right? So you're going to go based on, I suppose, how much the coaching team can impact 
to players. And I think I would I'd definitely trust a Thibodeau-like system to drag it and make it as ugly as possible to to make it tougher like that. And I think it's a it's going to be a challenge for the Hawks. And as much talent as they have, as, as Akshay said, like the definition of talent in in Trey Young or to an extent even Bogdanovich, right? Like these guys are offensive creators and they step up. Uh, they're meant to step up in these kind of situations. I think the the Knicks' defensive identity is like is a team identity, and that's going to be hard to shake off. And at the same time, I think if when you think about who guards Julius Randle on the Hawks, right? I can't really think of an obvious obvious answer for that. So it's not like it's going to be just a defensive effort from from the Knicks. I think I think they'll be competent enough to make it matter on the other end as well. So it's going to be it's going to be a long series in my opinion because I think it'll take time for these two teams to sort of like have all of those discover all of those things where they cancel each other out and for the edge to finally sort of come out. But uh, I, I trust the the system that a Thibodeau like coach would implement uh, for this particular matchup more so than anything else that I can see from the other side. Both cool. I'm so happy with these answers. I, uh, I don't want to add anything further than you guys are both completely correct today. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I want to move uh, west. Are, are you going to send us your, your, the check? This? <laughs> yeah, you get Amman's <laughs> check in, both of you. Uh, we're, we're moving west. Uh, one and eight, uh, Jazz and Grizzlies, who just made the eighth seed today. So yes. the Jazz are pretty much better in every aspect. You know, if you just go by... You know, I've been going by just the last month, but if you go by the whole season, whether it's offense, defense, shooting, passing, everything, they're obviously the favorites in this series, right? So I, I want, yes. I wanted my question to be sort of uh, uh, from a negative angle in a way. The Grizzlies obviously need a break somewhere to to have a chance here. They need something to go wrong with Quinn Snyder's game plan, and and uh, outside of injuries because we we don't want to talk about that. In terms of an actual X and O's thing. What, what do you feel needs to go wrong for Utah for Grizzlies to have a chance to win this? Mm, wow, that's that's really difficult. I can't uh, think of anything specifically. Uh, I think like you just said, Utah's, Utah's ahead on every possible category. I mean, you know, the fact that even they have guys like Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson, you know, kind of coming off the bench for them. Their starters are... Uh, Rudy Gobert, uh, their backcourt is pretty good. Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. I I don't see. In fact, for me, the thing that I'm going to look forward to the most is that you know Ja Morant's tendency to get into the paint and you know finish off with all those floaters uh, versus Rudy Gobert. That's that's going to be insane to watch. Uh, but I still don't see any way in which Memphis is going to upset Utah. I mean, on any category. Kaushik, do you think? What has to be the lucky break, if if it's even possible, for for Memphis? It's a pretty low probability thing. I think yeah. like all of Utah has to go very cold shooting from the outside for it to even matter, right? Like they they're a pretty sort of three point heavy team. Um, Conley and Mitchell are sort of coming back from from lengthy time off, so maybe a combination of the fact that they might be rusty and and like the shots that typically go in on a on a regular season game don't go in in the playoffs, but that also has to happen four times in a row for it to matter. Yeah. Right? So I, I really don't see it. Uh, I, I think like probably Memphis will be gassed a little bit as well because it was a tough close game against San Antonio. Um, sorry, against against Golden State, and um, we saw the impact of, of what a close game like that does to the other team because it felt like Golden State gave their absolute everything against the Lakers and they just didn't have anything left in the tank for 
for today's playing game. So I have a feeling that that kind of effect will be seen from Memphis for the first couple of games as well, and then then it will be too too deep in for it to not matter. Yeah, it has to be shooting related for a team like Utah that sort of their offense is based so much on spreading the floor. Um, I think that's the only hope, but I say that knowing that it's very likely to to not happen. This might be this might be, in my opinion, the easiest series actually. Um, yeah, oh, oh, maybe maybe Kyle Anderson has to discover a new level of slowness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Catches all teams off guard. Two and seven. Slow-mo. Two and seven in the West. Suns and Lakers. The last time these two teams played Koshek, it was the conference finals 2010, where Meta World Peace turned a Kobe Bryant airball into a game-winning layup, and the Lakers, made the, fi- Lakers <laughs> made the final. They won a championship. The rest is history. It was, it was the last stand of Steve Nash and this very lovable Suns team who were like really good, uh, and and these two teams actually played a lot of battles in you know in the in that in that decade. So so we are now in the, in this weird place where the Suns are the second seed, but actually probably the only high seed who are clearly not the favorites to win. I would say like most odds makers are going to favor the seventh seed in the series. Um, yeah. The, the the they play two very differing styles. I mean, I, I would say very differing, but for the Lakers, the, the strength is their size and the bruising power between LeBron, AD, and Drummond. For the Suns, the two best players are guards. Um, now, the way I looked at it, I, I tried to simplify things into one question, and I, I felt that the simplest way would be, I feel that the only chance Suns have of winning this game is that their two best players, uh, Booker and uh, Chris Paul, they can't be three and four in this series. So they can't let both LeBron and AD be better than them. I think they, they have to be two of the three. Uh, I don't think it's possible, but I think that's the only chance. Do, do you... Do any of you guys think that's even a sliver of a possibility that both Booker and Chris Paul are not worse than both LeBron and Anthony Davis? Uh, well, they could be. Uh, even if they aren't, let's assume that for a second that because LeBron's rusty, he might be rusty. We don't know how much, uh, you know, the late game injury uh, against the Golden State Warriors, how how bad his vision is going to be heading He's into this yeah. series. We- <laughs> Yeah, we also don't know how, uh, you know, the ankle, uh, has he truly, is he truly 100%? Uh, is every minute spent on the basketball floor in a competitive game, uh, you know, kind of, he, he's playing with some kind of hesitancy. So let's assume that Devin Booker is actually the second best player in the series behind, let's say, Anthony Davis. Even then, I, I don't see Phoenix, uh, I'd be surprised if this goes beyond five games, to be honest, even with, let's say, Devin, Devin Booker being... Uh, uh, the second best uh, player in the series, uh, and if let's let's assume that Devin Booker and Chris Paul are two and three, and LeBron is four, uh, and LeBron is four purely because you know the the Lakers are like keeping him on a minutes restriction, uh, like they were in the game against Golden State Warriors. He was supposed to be playing just 28-30 minutes that game. I don't know if he actually played that much, or I'm sure he played a little more than that. But the reports initially was that he was supposed to be on a 28-minute restriction. Uh, I still think the Lakers have just too much uh, talent around them to, you know, kind of... Anthony Davis is a monster uh, on both ends of the floor. Uh, and I think that's, that's good enough for Los Angeles to seal the deal. Koshik, what do you think here? Yeah, uh, look, I think I think Akshay captured everything that I was going to say. The only thing 
I think Anthony Davis said in an in sort of a pre-game interview this morning that, or pre-series interview rather, that typically the Lakers' defensive scheme, like you, you can't do everything perfectly, right? And their objective is to force teams or opponents into as many mid-range jumpers as possible. But that's also the shot that Phoenix likes the most with Devin Booker and, and Chris Paul in there. So I think like that's probably the only area where like the Suns have to be ridiculously effective for it to to be competitive. But yeah, all all things said and done, like it's it's really difficult. Like you, you, you'd have to think in that in that sort of ranking that you have, Karen. Uh, possibly Devin Booker and Chris Paul have to be one and two, and Davis and LeBron three and four for it to for it to really impact uh, on the series. But I I don't see it. I think it's it's a phenomenal season from from Phoenix, but they're just I think they've just drawn the bad luck of. Um, of whoever you know, the the team that had to face the Lakers. Um, if if anything, like you you'd have to you have to consider like how um, how fit LeBron is, and that's that's really it matters. And you could see on on the game against the Warriors, right? Like he didn't didn't look like he had it all, and he he definitely felt like he was sort of um, pushed into playing at that at that level where normally he would have sort of eased himself in, especially in like a seven game series. Like he he kind of has like a game or two where he feels things out, and then. And then unleashes it. Like he didn't have that, and you could really see it in his game as well. So, but but this is a this is a seven game series. So maybe maybe the Lakers will take a game or two to sort of figure out things. But eventually, I think they just have too much for the Suns. And and, here's uh, and if I yeah, if I could just current, you want to go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say here's what happens with every LeBron, or not every, but a lot of LeBron playoff series is that he loses game one, and everybody one. panics. Uh, and I, I have a feeling that's what that's what's going to happen. Phoenix might be more rested. They'll come out gangbusters. They'll have a plan ready. They might steal game one. And but I say steal. They have home court. Um, but but eventually, I think this is like Lakers in five or six. Yeah. I, I, and what I wanted to say was that imagine how much more fun it would have been if the Golden State Warriors had beaten the Lakers in yeah. that playing game. It would have meant that they would have been seven. And that would have been a much more interesting matchup, Phoenix versus Golden State, sure. and the Lakers winning the eighth versus ninth play-in game, and then played Utah in the first round. I think that would have made a much more interesting start to the Western Conference uh, first-round series. For sure. Um, but we are getting to a couple of very interesting series. We have three and six, uh, Nuggets and Trail, uh, Nuggets and and, um, uh, and Trailblazers. Okay. Yeah. So Portland over the last month actually has the NBA's best net rating. And that's mostly because of their league best offensive rating. They have been second in three-point percentage in this stretch. And you know who's been number one, guys, in this stretch last month? The New York Knicks. The New York Knicks. I know. Uh, So now, um, conversely, out of the teams that have made the playoffs, the 16 teams, the... The Nuggets are have actually been the third worst in three-point shooting over the last month, which is kind of surprising. I always thought of them as like, I guess without Jamal Murray, that, that has been the one major change that the three-pointers have, haven't been as good, even if they've been winning. Um, do you think it'll be that simple, this series, like hit and miss between wh- whoever makes the threes gets through? Uh, is, is, that, is that the only chance Portland has of of beating the the behemoth monster that is Jokic. What do you think, Akshay? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, I, I think Lillard and and McCullum will have to have like Lillard. We know he's had big playoff moments, incredible series against the Oklahoma City Thunder. 
against the Houston Rockets. He's played a seven-game series with uh, the Denver Nuggets a couple of seasons ago. A game, I think it was game three, which went into quadruple overtime. The only the second time in NBA history that had ever happened. Uh, I think this is again going to be a long series. I don't think this is going to get over in four or five. Certainly, it'll be six and seven. Uh, I, I do think that this time uh, it's it's Denver which has the advantage. I think they have uh, younger players. I think they have the right amount of experience. They're not. This is not the first playoffs for Nikola Jokic or uh, you know Bino Jamal Murray is out. But as opposed to two seasons ago, where literally it was the first uh, playoff appearance for every da- single Denver Nuggets player. Uh, you know, th- this is a team now with some experience under their belt. Uh, especially the leader having the kind of playoff experience that's important. Uh, I, I'm going to give this the series to Denver, but I, I am saying that it's going to be terribly interesting, uh, like the last series between these two teams was uh, two years ago. Kaushik, what do you think? Yeah, uh, look, I, I agree with everything that Akshay said. It has to be monster efforts from Lillard and McCollum for it to even matter. And even with Jamal Murray's injury, I think the Nuggets have, have a little bit too much. Um, really don't think Portland has any answer for Jokic. And Jokic typically takes his game up a couple of levels during during the playoffs. And considering he's going to be the MVP and he's had that kind of a season, that's that's a bit of a scary proposition. I'm excited for this series a lot because I agree that this this will probably go six or seven. And we have in uh, Jokic and Dame, two of the best late game players that, that the league has right now. Like these two guys in very different ways are just incredible in the clutch. Um, and so you know that all of these games are going to be really fun to watch in the end. Uh, we are now to our last question and, and we want to close this podcast with a little bit of a curse, the Clipper curse. Uh, <laughs> The, the 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 easy part of this question is, will the basketball gods punish the Clippers for testing fate the way they did by by uh, by, by by sort of tanking the last few games? Uh, but 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 the, but the more serious part of this question is, these two teams played each other last year uh, in the first round too. We had uh, pretty much like a masterful performance by Luca in that in like the six games loss. Uh, Porzingis played well, but he had injury and then he also had like sort of a, a couple of like suspensions, not suspensions, he got kicked out of a game pretty early. So, I think game I, one. I really don't count, when I look at the Mavericks, I, I don't really count Porzingis now as, as, as someone who can be counted on to be the second best player. I, I think of them as, this is Luka and then every game, someone else is going to shine and, and be his like second best star. Someone else is going to help him carry the load here. Do you think that really is enough? Like, to, to to beat a team that has, even though they're you know it's the Clippers, so you know that there's always potential of something going wrong now, but they still have Kawhi and Paul George. Do you think that really is enough, uh, Luca and committee beating this team? And if there is going to be a second best player, who who do you who would you put your money on to be that guy? Um, well, I think. You know, the entire team will have to uh, play out of their skin. I don't think Luka by himself is going to beat the Clippers. Uh, and I agree with you. You cannot depend on Kristaps forcing this. Uh, he's, it, it, it's just been proved too far too often. He either breaks down he, he, uh, uh, at crucial points in his team season. 
he gets injured. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't even believe it if Kristaps Porzingis played, let's say, 42 minutes in six games. I would think that, you know, game seven, something's going to happen to him. So you're right. I would say that, you know, some of the other guys on the team, the Tim Hardaway's, the Dorian Finney-Smiths, they need to, like, you know, have outstanding series if, if they are to take on uh, the Clippers. Uh, and I do feel that the Clippers are a slightly better team than last season. Uh, I, I don't know how to quantify it. Uh, maybe, you know, the, the, the few personnel change has uh, made them just uh, 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 got the chemistry better. But I didn't like the way in which they closed the season. That was not a good thing to do. Uh, you know, trying to avoid playing the Los Angeles Lakers, that doesn't send the right signals uh, to anyone who's like, you know, has a shard of doubt on your own team. Uh, but yes, I, I think the Clippers should be able to win this series uh, perhaps a little more easily than they, than they won. If it went to six games last year, I think five games this year. Kaushik, I know you're coming in hard with a disagree here. Let's go. Show your <laughs> no, Luka actually, love. I, I will show my Luca love, but I think Akshay is actually right. Like, it's been such a hard handle to get on the Clippers season this time. They started really well, and they've been like very uncharacteristically quiet. Like they're not making any of the noise that they did last time. Kind of felt like they learned their lesson from like you know counting your chickens before they hatch. That kind of setup. They they were really quiet and. Paul George is having a more consistent season than he's had in a long time. So, um, so a lot of things have like looked right for for the Clippers, but at the same time, like exactly what Akshay said, like it's such a weird thing that they did towards the end of the season. A team that's really as confident in in themselves, like would not have pulled such a move. And if anything, like you think playing the Lakers earlier is better, right? Because they haven't had time to sort of gel in. They have LeBron may still maybe fitter towards the to course of a, a conference finals rather than the first round. So it just makes very strange the way they, they finished out the season. So from that perspective, like all of the good points that they sort of built up through the season, I have to sort of question that a little bit. But at the same time, like the you guys were both spot on about um, about Mavericks. Like the Porzingis has, has proven time and time again that he's not a reliable second option. And it really depends on the kind of day that, that the rest of the Mavericks are having. But having said that, I think the Mavericks have been really hot in the last sort of couple of months. Um, they their offensive efficiency and metrics in terms of how well they they perform in that is in sort of a half court setup. That's been as good as it was during the peak of last year, where they had like the league's best offense or something like that, uh, or maybe even like the best offense in in history according to the statistics. So it's getting towards that level. But you you just think that like the Clippers have handled the season a little bit better and. The only thing that that could push it out for longer is the fact that maybe Kawhi hasn't quite looked like Kawhi ever this season. So what what is his like injury situation like? Is he is he 100%? We don't know. Um, and you would expect Luca to be better incrementally uh, year on year, right? And he's he's had a better season this year than he did last year. And considering how he really sort of broke through in the playoffs last year, and he made he made defenders like Kawhi and Paul George, who are like incredible one-on-one defenders. He made them look like small and kind of pointless. Like he, he got to the rim at ease. He got he, he scored wherever he felt like after that first game. And I think like he he looked to have that stamp on the game as as quickly and as much as possible. But yeah, it might just be like it's it's a bit too early for the Mavericks team. And 
and for Luca in his own sort of career. Like, he, he, he might not be able to do it on his own. So, I, I'm a little bit more of a uh, Mavericks. Well, actually, it's funny. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm an optimist for both these teams. Um, and it's just that they're facing each other. So, you know, they can't both win. Um, the Clippers have been better. They've sort of taken Kawhi's personality and not saying anything. They've been quiet. I do hope playoff P does not show up. I hope it's regular season <laughs> P because regular season P is really good. Actually, like unlike every, everything else. Um, and and for the Mavericks, uh, you're right when you say Luca do, does not fear these guys as defenders. He he is at, at their level. He, he may actually be a better individual player than either of them. But um, it's I, I really think in, when it comes to playoffs, the having a second, third consistent player matters, which the Mavericks don't have. So I, I, I'm gonna have I'm gonna go with the Clippers in six. I think I think that was the I think that was the score last year too. But yeah, uh, and at the, at the same time, like they, the Mavericks also have a couple of like key rotation players that they didn't have last year, right? They, true. Jalen Brunson is is really important to them off the bench, and they He's have been him really this year. He's yeah. excellent. And, yeah. And I think like they 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 had Maxi Kleber last year, but not Dwight Powell. And I think it might be the opposite this time around. Um, yeah, so it's just a slightly different look to the Dallas team. But it's it's a kind of team where like they they just take on Luca's personality. If 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 he's feeling it and if he's scoring like a 40-point triple double, like that'll have an impact. So it's just a matter of like how consistently he can do that and what kind of Clippers show up. Uh, I I just want to add one closing thing that I think what I was saying that, you know, it doesn't, I I don't know what to put my uh, finger on that why the Clippers just feel like, you know, better chemistry and like Karan said that they've taken on the personality of Kawhi. We've not heard them chirp so much as as they've done in in past seasons. Uh, But I think that the exit of uh, Montrez Harrell, Lou Williams uh, and the coming of championship tested players, Serge Ibaka and Rajan Rondo is a really good thing that happened to the Clippers in this yeah. in this uh, season. And Rondo versus Luca will actually be a very fun thing to watch in this series because I'm not saying Rondo has the talent, but he has the he has the big playoff chops to get under Luca's nerves. And so that'd be a fun sort of like matchup. To he fears no one. He fears, he fears no one. Um, guys, this conversation has got me really hyped. We are now like what less than. We are, we are very hours. close to the playoffs. About five hours. <laughs> we, are, we are very close to the playoffs actually beginning. Uh, I can't wait to get this started. Akshay, thank you so much for giving us your time, for joining us on this like mammoth playoff preview episode of Hoop Darshan. And uh, thank you. yeah, we will we will stay in touch. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the playoffs and thank you for listening. Yes, I hope you all have a great uh, playoff couple of months and uh, let's hope the Milwaukee Bucks win it all. <laughs> <laughs> That's not happening. You couldn't, you couldn't help yourself, did you, actually? I couldn't, I couldn't. I'm a sucker for punishment. <laughs> uh, all right, um, to our listeners, thanks so much for joining us again. And Akshay, it's wonderful to have you again on, on Hoop Thank Session. Um, let's let's enjoy a great playoffs and hopefully we can see the, we can see the Hoop Session derby in the finals where the Lakers mix NBA finals. I couldn't sure. help myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Until next time, hashtag India basketball.